Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're here to serve you in any way that we can. For more information about our resources or our church, you can check out hope at crossroads.org. Online, you can find access to other resources like devotionals and study books. Thanks again for joining us. And now let's start this week's message. Good morning. Hey, what a great service. I'm so grateful. Uh, for our worship team. I'm not suggesting you go visit some other churches, but I would tell you if you do, you'll, you'll be like, wow, we're blessed. And I know I say that a lot because we are, so I'm grateful for them and for our guys leading us this morning. Uh, if you missed uh, Wednesday, you missed a tremendous blessing. I think they have some pictures. We had about 55 incredible senior saints here with our friend Jack Roper from uh, TV7 who is here. And uh, he actually put people to work during his presentation, uh, which was kind of great. You see some of our folks there that he pulled up out of the, out of the group, and uh, we'll probably do something like that again here in six weeks or so. Uh, but it was a pleasure having him with our, our folks. And if you were here Wednesday, I'm grateful for you coming. Come back this Wednesday. We're not having food, but we're going to have spiritual food. Uh, we'll have Bible study at 11 o'clock this Wednesday. And, and he gave me an idea... When he was here, I said, brother, I appreciate you because I'm a pastor. I always can learn. And so he had some things that I thought, we'll just try it this morning. Yeah. All right. All right. That's pretty good. That's pretty, that's pretty good. All right. Let's try this one. Amen. Oh, hey, man. All right. Okay, very good, very good. We may pull those out during the sermon, so uh, maybe it's a little help there this morning. If you have your Bible, if you would open up to Romans chapter 8, and uh, when I say to you that I am excited about what I have to share with you this morning, uh, I mean it, and um, I will say that, but I'll also say this is a very challenging chapter. There's a lot of great things in this chapter, and I hope that you will stick around and plug into a small group if you are not. I encourage you to do that, because there's things in this chapter like, all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. If God is for me, who can be against me? So a lot of great, those are toward the end of the chapter. We're not going to get that far in the message this morning because there's a lot of great things in the first like 12 verses. And so we're going to try to get that far, maybe even as far as verse 17. But I wonder this morning, if you came in to worship, if you feel like this. Now, this is, I cut one up because I didn't bring a, I know our camera people are going to get mad at me. I'm sorry because I'm coming down here. But this is, this is a sponge. And it's a dry, dry sponge, and maybe you feel like this morning as you came into worship that you, you feel that way. Can I just let you off? Look, that's okay. In our Christian journey, there are many times where we feel like a dry sponge. And one of the great things that I love about the church family, brothers and sisters in Christ, in worship and Bible study, is that's kind of the time where we can come together and we can soak in Brotherly love and sisterly love and the worship of the Lord. And he will make our sponge not so dry, but wet. This morning, I've got a couple of guys. Y'all come on up here uh, just so that you can have one in your hand. I've got one for you this morning. And you're going to need it. 
later in the service, so hang on to it. And that don't take all day. I know some of you are going, oh, I like blue. Oh, no, yellow goes with my outfit. Just get, it, just get one, okay? Just get a sponge. They're all, they're all functioning the same way, trust me. But I want you to hang on to this during the, as we read the scripture this morning, because as I was really praying over the last few weeks, uh, Heath gave me a break a couple weeks ago preaching, and he's going to preach again next Sunday because the book of Romans, there's a lot there. So I've really had a couple of weeks to think about what I wanted to share with you. And, and over the last couple of weeks, I've just said, Lord, could you please give me something tangible that will help illustrate what you're trying to say in this chapter? Because it's, there's some very, very strong words in this chapter. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, um, everybody in here, pastor included, preacher included, needs to make a decision today. Okay, so to decide or to not decide is to decide. And I'm going to tell you about that decision in just a minute as we look at the word. So let's look at it together. Romans chapter 8 verses. Let's just start with the first four verses. Here's what Paul says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's stop right there. You know me well enough by now. You see a word in that verse, right? Therefore, what is therefore, therefore? Therefore is therefore a reason. In light of everything he said, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, then he gets to chapter 8 and he says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, when I read that immediately... The question that comes to my mind, and I hope to your mind, is this. Am I in Christ Jesus? Am I in Christ Jesus? There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. All right, let's stop right there. That's a lot. I mean, you could preach six weeks just off of those verses, but we're not going to take six weeks. The first thing that we see in this, these verses is this. Number one, you are not condemned. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are not condemned. A lot of believers walk through life feeling like they're condemned, feeling guilty. There is a significant difference between feeling guilty and feeling convicted. Are you with me? If you're a child of God and you're feeling guilty or shamed about some sin, I'll give you a money-back guarantee, not according to Jack, but according to God's word, that is a message from the enemy. If, he, if you're hearing, well, I feel guilty, I feel shame. If you feel conviction, that's of the Holy Spirit. Guilt always pushes you away from God. Conviction pushes you to God. In other words, some of you will remember this. Brandon mentioned about being a kid. By the way, everybody in here has been a kid. Unless there's something special with biology that I don't know. There's crazy things that people are talking about. But everybody's been a kid. And you may remember 
Uh, I did this as a kid when I really felt shamed about something and my mom and dad would come looking for me. Well, who did such and such? Who did this to your, your sister? Which I was, only had one other sibling. So if they said, who did this to your sister? Obviously, I was the only other, other one in the house. Even though I would go, well, not me, not me. But if I felt shamed, what would I do? I would go run and hide. But the few times, even as a child, I felt conviction, even with tears streaming down my face, I would approach my mom or dad and go, I'm so sorry, I, I felt genuine conviction. There's a difference. And we need to learn that because the enemy uses that tool of shame and guilt to make us feel condemned. And what Paul is saying here is if we're in Christ Jesus, it's not that we're less condemned, it's that we are not condemned at all. And where many people uh, fail even in their Christian walk is we think we have this improved standing because we know Jesus. Uh, Lynette had a book signing Friday at the Barnes & Noble in Spartanburg. She has her last one today and she said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. She's enjoyed it, but she's like, praise the Lord. So that's where she's at today. But I was walking through the bookstore while she was doing her thing. And I came to this section, I mean two huge sections of books, and the heading across the top, you know, they have rows where they have history, and they have science, and they have all this at Barnes & Noble. There's this one section uh, of two rows of all these books that says self-transformation. And I just started chuckling as I walked over there just looking at some of the titles. Folks, Jesus did not come to give you a self-improvement plan. You and I cannot self-transform ourselves. It does not work. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Jesus did not come to improve you. Jesus came to replace you and to be in you and to be in me. It's taken me years to realize this because I thought, well, Jesus is just an add-on. He's like a self-improvement thing to make me better. I cannot make myself better. I cannot be better. That's why Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, gave his, himself for us. So we're not condemned if we're in Christ Jesus. This verse 4, look at verse 4 with me. It says, in order that, God sent his son, in order that, in verse 4, the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now there's a little attack on there, and biblical scholars debate if this is really what Paul said, because it's not in some of the ancient Roman manuscripts that somebody may have wanted to help Paul out a little bit when they were translating and writing this down. It doesn't take away from the nature of the chapter and what he's trying to say. But these words that say, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Cause us to think about, because Paul does say that a little bit later. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But it causes us to ask this other question, hopefully. And that is, are we walking according to the spirit? So the second the second thing we see in this passage of Scripture is we can walk according to the Spirit. Do we walk always according to the Spirit? Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't walk according to the Spirit. Surprise. Sometimes you don't walk according to the Spirit. Sometimes we walk according to the flesh. Romans 8.1 is telling us we are free from the guilt of sin. But then Romans 8.2 says we're free from the power of sin. And so this righteous requirement of the law... Paul is saying, might be fulfilled in us. Why is it fulfilled in us? Because we are in Christ. Not because of anything that we bring to the table, but because Christ is in us. That's why the fulfillment of the law happens. 
It happens because Christ was the one who was obedient. We were disobedient. It happens because Christ was the one who took the punishment of sin upon himself instead of us taking the punishment upon ourselves. It's that other word that starts with a P that we talked about several weeks back called propitiation. And so Paul doesn't say that we fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. He carefully says it's fulfilled in us. It's not fulfilled by us, but it's fulfilled in us because of Christ Jesus in us. Jesus basically was a substitute. Now, I don't know if you have had this. I know we have some high school folks in here and college folks in here. And I don't see any middle, some middle school folks in here. I know our kids are over there. Maybe you remember being in school. I always used to like it when I would start to hear in third period that, hey, Miss Jones is not going to be in English fifth period. And I'd be like, why not? Well, she must be sick. Am I smiling? I'm sorry. I would. I would. I would smile. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I would smile. I was not an English class fan. And I would say, well, where is she? She's sick. So you have a substitute. And I would get all excited. Now, I would get excited because, unfortunately, shame on me. Shame on you if this has happened to you. I would not give the substitute teacher oftentimes the same ranking of authority as the real teacher. Anybody brave enough to be a, yeah, I see some people nodding, you know what I'm talking about. I would, I would, and some other classmates would harass her. She would say, hey, we're going to take up homework, and everybody would go, well, we didn't get assigned any homework, knowing that we most certainly got assigned homework, and she knew that we got assigned homework, but we would play dumb. We all kind of know what a substitute is. Jesus is our substitute. Our standing before God was that we stood before God as a sinner. Our standing before God was that we deserved hell. Our standing before God was somebody had to pay the wages of sin. And Jesus Christ stepped in and substituted in our place and moved us out of the way and said, I will take that upon me. He was the ultimate substitute. He was treated as a sinner so you and I can be treated with righteousness. So the question that comes to my mind as I read this, when he's talking about the law being fulfilled and walking according to the flesh and walking according to the Spirit, the next question that comes to my mind is, how do I know if I am living according to the Spirit? And church family, please don't miss this. If there's any message that you hear from the Word of God this year so far, I believe that from this chapter, God's message to Crossroads is in this chapter this morning. I really do. How many, and how do we know, if we're living according to the Spirit? How do you know? We have missed it and, and messed it up in the Baptist denomination, even as a kid, in the church that I grew up, which was a great church, we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit too much. Why? Because we maybe were afraid things were going to get a little wild and the services were going to get a little wild. And Lord forbid somebody start doing this during worship. And it's so good to see some of you have the freedom to do that. doesn't mean you have to do it. but to have the we, we just thought, I don't know, something's going to happen if we talk about the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something this morning. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot live for God. You cannot live for God. Not because I'm saying that, but Paul has said that, and he's going to talk about it even more. You and I cannot live for God without the Spirit. So the question is, how do we know if we have the Spirit? 
can we get the Spirit and lose the Spirit? Because there's this kind of conversation out among even in Christian circles that people talk about, well, you can lose the Spirit. Is that true? Yeah, you got to read the Bible to find out. And Paul is getting ready to tell us how we can tell if we actually are living according to the Spirit. Let's look at it. Verse 5, here's what he says. Those who are according to the flesh will set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are living according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Whoa. If that doesn't make you kind of stop and go, what? What, huh? Huh? Let me read that again. Then You're not paying attention to what Paul's trying to say. That is, that is heavy words. Which tells us the third point that he's trying to make to us is this. The battle in the life to live for Christ is one in the mind. He says in those few verses like three, four, five times in some translations, mindset, 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 setting your mind. He gives us an easy way. If you're kind of been wondering, Pastor Jack, how do I know if I'm living according to the Spirit? He just told you the answer. The answer is, where is your mindset? The mindset is the strategic battleground where you either turn toward the flesh or you turn toward the spirit. It's where the waging war happens every single day in your life and mine where we get a thought or we get an idea or we get a temptation or God tells us to do something that we're supposed to do. All these things happen right here. And if we don't control right here, we don't control right here. And if we don't control right here, we lose right here. You're tracking with me this morning. It's right here. Paul just said, if you want to know if you're living according to the Spirit, check your mindset. What do you think about most of the time? What do you dwell on most of the time? The mindset is the strategic battleground where the flesh and the Spirit are fighting this out. Paul, as a matter of fact, did not say that the carnal mind was at enmity with God. He puts it stronger than that. In verse 7, he says, the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. In other words, when you and I set our minds on fleshly things, we are in direct opposition to God. And sometimes it's because we have the wrong mindset. In other words, we have set our minds wrong. Paul said it this way in Colossians chapter 3. He said, set your minds and focus your minds on heavenly things, not on earthly things. Not on things that are temporary value is what he would say. And I'd say to you, church family, this morning, it's, it's more than having a Christian worldview. It's living a Christian worldview. We all can say as Christians we have a Christian worldview, hopefully, hopefully. But it's one thing to say you have a Christian worldview. It's a different thing to actually live a Christian worldview. When you think about things like, well, I know I should give, but or I feel like God is asking me to serve, but or, I know I need to ask this person forgiveness, but what you just did is you rationalized in your mind and you decided if you didn't do what God told you to set your mind on fleshly things. I need to do this, but, or I should do that, but what we need to do is get the but out of the equation. And that's where it happens. The battle right there is in 
the mind. And he says something very, very powerful there. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I don't know about you, but that's really what I want. I'm not just saying that because I'm the preacher, pastor. I, church family, I really, 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 really want to please God. I really do. Now, life gets in the way. My flesh gets in the way. Circumstances sometimes get in the way. But that's really what I want to do. How do I do it? I have to let the Spirit of God do it in me. And he says some pretty powerful words. If the Spirit, look at verse 9. However, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. You're in the Spirit if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he does not belong to him. Did you catch that? If you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't belong to Him. In other words, you're not a believer if you don't have the Holy Spirit. This means every single believer has the Holy Spirit. There is this misnomer among even Christian circles where you can come to know Christ and you can get the Holy Spirit and somewhere in your walk because of something you do or some temptation or some sin that you can lose the Holy Spirit. Show me that in God's Word. It's not in there. If it's in there, you wrote it in the margin. It's not in there. God does not save you and claim you and own you and put you in the palm of his hand according to the book of John and all of a sudden you can sit, be set free. You say, well, Pastor Jack, how do you explain people who come to faith in Christ and they come down the aisle and they're all repentant and they give their heart to the Lord and they go out and some about two, three, four, five years later they're living like hell? Ah, that's a good question. There's one of two answers according to God's word. Number one, they are running around like the prodigal son or daughter. And they're living in sin. And God is still their father. And he still is standing there waiting for them to return. That's one option. Or the other option is this. They never really knew Jesus. I'm just going to tell you. That scares me to death. Because there may be some of us in here. No condemnation, by the way, if you're in Christ Jesus. So if you're getting ready to feel conviction, it's not my eloquent words, but it's hopefully the Holy Spirit. There may be some of us in here that even right now the Holy Spirit is saying, you maybe went through all the motions, you maybe even got baptized, you maybe even filled out the card, you maybe did everything that looks like in churchiology that you're supposed to do, but the reality is my Holy Spirit never entered into your body. Say, Pastor Jack, how do you, how do you know that? How, is that? Is that even possible? Oh, it's possible. Say, how do you know? I know because I was one. Nine years old. You've heard this story some of you before. I walked the aisle in a church. 2,000 people sitting there looking at me. Senior saints coming by, pinching me on the cheek. Good job, sonny boy. Good job, sonny boy. Got baptized. Name on the registry. Filled out the card. Did all of that. And for about five or six years... Until I went to a conference where I really experienced transformation in my heart. And I knew it was transformation because the next day and the next week and the next month, my life started to look radically, radically different than it did before. And a good indicator for you and I is if we look at our life and we go, hey, I gave my life to Jesus right here. And it looks the same on this side of that decision as it is on this side of the decision. I'd say to you, you didn't come to Christ. 
Not because I'm a mind reader or a heart reader. I'm just telling you what God's Word says. Here's what happens. This is you and I right here. This is us. And when we come to faith in Christ Jesus, when, when we give our lives in full to Jesus, and we're learning, okay? We talked about sanctification. It doesn't mean you're going you're gonna to step out of the baptism pool and all of a sudden you and Jesus are so close to each other, we, don't even, we think you are Jesus. We don't even recognize. No, that doesn't happen for anybody. We're growing in holiness. That's sanctification. And when Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, comes into you, that's you now. You try, to, you try to take that orange juice out of that mug. It ain't going to happen. Somebody will come up here and do a science experiment and try to dissect it. That's not going to happen. This is you in Christ and Christ in you. If you have come to know Christ through the power of His Holy Spirit and He's come into your life, that is you right there. There's no separating you. Now what happens is we go through our wonderful daily life and the Holy Spirit is in us, and we're trying to live for Jesus, we run into complicated people. Oh, and they take some of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord Jesus. We're driving down Woodruff Road, and we get cut off, and we say some things we shouldn't say. We used up some of the Holy Spirit. And we go through life, and maybe we struggle, and we try to serve God, and God says, you need to go witness to a friend. So you step out of faith, and you go witness to a friend. And all of a sudden, through the weeks, through the months, through the years, what happens is we get down to this level. And what Paul is trying to say to us, let me put this back over here. What Paul is trying to say to us is this. If you and I have the Spirit, we get the Spirit of God in us. Our friend Hudson that came to, came to know Christ a few months back and got baptized. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is now in that little boy. And guess what? If you're a child of God, that same Holy Spirit is in you. The enemy has got us persuaded that we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why the average churchgoer, average Christian walks around with no power in their life. Jesus talked about this in John where he talked about rivers of living water in John chapter 7 that he said would happen when we come to know Christ and we have the fullness of the Spirit in us. But here's what happens, you and I know, is as we go through life, level of, if I can say it this way, I don't know if this is exactly a good analogy, but we, we use some of the Holy Spirit as we go through our daily routine, which is why Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 5, I believe it is. Where he talks about be filled with the Spirit. And the real word there, if you break down the root word, is he's saying be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you are going to encounter things in your life where you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what you do is every time you have time with God in Bible study. Every time you come to worship, which is why I love to worship. Every time you hang out with a brother or sister in Christ. You keep saying, Lord Jesus, fill me back up. Fill me back up. Fill me back up. Fill me back up. So you can go out into the world and live for Him. But most of the time. Most of the time. In churches, not in crossroads, but in most churches, we come together for worship. And I just got to ask, why? 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 
That's, what, that's why we're supposed to come do that so we get filled up with the Holy Spirit so we can go out. You don't have to come to church to do that, but it sure does help. Because you have the opportunity to worship God and to get poured into and to be filled up again. Here's what I've discovered as I get older. And maybe this is true for you. It's true for me, I'll be honest. The greatest hindrance in my life, above, above sin and temptation and annoying people and challenging situations and trying to figure out God's plan, above all those things, the number one hindrance in my life to allowing the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do is this. Are you ready? You might be surprised. It's because I have lost my childlike faith in the King of the universe. And I've turned into sometimes an adult who is skeptical and wants to use logic and reason. Nothing wrong with logic and reason. Don't hear me say there's nothing wrong with logic and reason. But there's something much more stronger than logic and reason. It's called faith. And I start to live as an adult in logic and reason reason and skepticism of everything that happens in the world. And God is trying to get me to live just like I did the moment I said yes to him. And slowly over time, I start to take back control of my life. The greatest hindrance to living in the spirit, that's that's it for me. Because the scripture says he can do immeasurably far beyond what I can ask or think or imagine. Do I believe it? Sometimes yes. Sometimes, not so much. So the question that I wrote down, you know I write down questions a lot, is this. I wonder, church family, I just wonder, what would happen if every one of us who is in Christ, and Christ is in us, if every one of us as children of God would walk out of church every Sunday, would walk out of our homes every Monday after spending time with God before we look at our text messages. If every day of the week, before we go out in the world, we would say, Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. There would be, in my opinion, a revolution of the Holy Spirit's power in our church, in our community, such that this community has never, ever seen. You might say, what, what's it take to do that? How, how to, first of all, how do you even know you have the Holy Spirit? Let me ask you some questions according to what Paul's telling us here. Has the Spirit of God led you to Jesus? See, here's, here's, I'm, I'm being vulnerable and transparent with you this morning because I love you guys more, more than you know, more than you think. See, when I gave my life to Christ, when I walked the aisle at nine, I decided I was going to do that. Now, there's nothing wrong with making a conscious decision. But when it really jailed for me, is when the Holy Spirit of God so gripped my heart when I was 16 that if I didn't slip out of that seat at Anderson University, Anderson College then in the auditorium over there, where I was hearing a guy preach, if I had not slipped out of the aisle and crawled down to the front, I thought I was going to explode because the Spirit of God was so at work in my heart. And the Spirit led me to Christ. 
Now, it was part of my decision to some degree, sure. Here's the second question. Has the Spirit put in you the desire to honor Jesus? If you don't sense that desire in your heart to honor Jesus, I would encourage you to do a spiritual inventory this morning. And right there in the privacy of your seat, just pray and say, Lord, do I know you? Holy Spirit, do I know you? Because if the Holy Spirit is in you, if you are truly a child of God, the Spirit of God will be putting this desire. You can't manufacture it in yourself, but it will put in you this desire to honor and to know Jesus. It will put in you a desire to read God's Word. It will put in you a desire to be around God's people. It will put in you a desire to give to support the things of of God. And I know a lot of people, a lot of... Friends of mine who now are believers who told me there's testimony early on, even as adults in their 20s and 30s, and they, would, they have told me, you know what, I tried to do all that all the time in my own strength, and what happened was, what happened was I got so worn out, I got so tired, I felt like I was, I, this is what I felt like. I felt like a dried up sponge. Is the Spirit leading you to be more like Jesus? Is the Spirit at work in your heart? So let me ask you this question as we wrap up this morning. If the Spirit is not doing that, I have to ask you a hard question, not because I like hard questions, but I want to ask you a hard question because I love you. If the Spirit is not doing those things in your life, have you ever received the Spirit of God? And if you haven't, this is a great place to be. You're at the right, you're at the right place. And it's very simple to do. Whether you know Christ and maybe your sponge has gotten a little dry just because of the things of life, or you don't know Christ and you've you've never you've never had your sponge soaked in the spirit, if I can put it that way. The invitation, according to what Paul says here, is the same. He says this in verse 12. Brothers, so then, brothers, we're under obligation not to the flesh, but to live according to the flesh. If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. Strong words. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons, or I could add in there, daughters of God. In other words, Paul is saying, you want to know a true believer? A true believer is marked by someone who's being led by the Holy Spirit. Some, those who are being led by the Spirit, he says, are the sons and daughters of God. So, I want to invite you to do something this morning. Maybe this morning, and there's some mornings where I'm this way, okay? I'm, I'm dry. I'm a dry sponge. And what I need to do is say, Lord, fill me. And I need to plunge my hand in the living water of Jesus Christ and say, fill me up. Fill me up, because when I go out there, the enemy is going to dry me out quickly, and he's going to dry you out quickly.
You could choose, and I can choose to try to do it on my own and do it with a cup that's half full. But I'm just telling you, it's personal experience. It, it'll wear you out. So this morning, I just wonder if you are willing to say to the Lord this morning, fill me up. Fill me up. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would have your way during this time. Lord, if this message is for nobody else but me, message received. Message received. Lord, would you allow these friends in this room to be honest with you, maybe there's somebody here today who's never said yes to the Spirit of God. Maybe for the first time, they need to plunge that sponge in the water, that sponge being their life, and say, Lord, I surrender to you, the Spirit of God. Lord, maybe there's some in this room who have been like I have and probably will be again because I'm stubborn and my sponge will get really, really dry. And sometimes, God, if I'm really honest, I'll just go, okay, Lord, I'm just going to see how long I can do this on my own. I believe as my Heavenly Father, you kind of chuckle and just go, okay, knock yourself out. When, you, when you're ready to, for, to allow me to do it through you, not in your flesh, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm here. And I'll fill you up. And while you're sitting there praying this morning, church family, I don't know what God would say to you this morning. We're going to stand in just a moment, and if you feel so led this morning that you'd like to just demonstrate to the Lord, not to me, but to the Lord, Lord, I want you to fill me up. And you're welcome to slip out of that chair, out of that aisle, and there's this basin of water up here this morning. You may want to stand by, stand by that basin for a while and leave your hand in that water and just fill that sponge, fill up. And just say to the Lord, fill me up, Lord, fill me up with your Holy Spirit. And this morning, if you're if you want to do that, but you're not physically able to slip out of that seat, we've got a small basin, and my friend Stephen will be happy to bring that to you. If you just lift up your hand, he'll be happy to walk around with that. Father, I pray that you'd have your way during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you quietly and reverently just stand to your feet, and if you feel led to surrender your life afresh and anew and ask the Lord to fill you this morning, this basin's up here for you today. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Help me, Lord. Thank you.
filled up amen you filled up yes have a seat for just a second if you would I need to finish the message real quick just one more point and then we'll close so I was reading this this week I asked the question why in the world would the God of all creation want to fill me up. Why in the world would the God of the universe say to me, you're not condemned? And here's what Paul says. The answer is this. You have a father. Not just a father, he says, but a daddy. One in which you've not received, he says in verse 15, the spirit of slavery leading to fear. Which, by the way, is probably the second hindrance to me walking in the spirit of God is fear. Lack of childlike faith, fear. He says, you don't have that spirit of slavery leading to fear. You have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which you cry out, Abba, Father. It's interesting, when I was growing up... uh, of course, with the Eason name, my dad had several jobs. I'll tell you this story sometime, some other time, but growing up, he had several jobs. This job to this job, and every job he moved. Sometimes we would move, and we would follow him. And we would follow him because his name was Eason, and he was my daddy, and he paid the house payment at the house we were going to live in. So we went wherever he went. And the same thing is true for us as children of God. We've been adopted. And when the Spirit moves... We have to be willing to move. And the Spirit leads us to repentance. It leads us to think little of ourselves and more of Jesus. It leads us to truth. So I just want to tell you who you are as a child of God today. Who you are. If, you, if you're filled up and you're living in the Spirit and you are a child of God. Here's the truth. You are adopted. Why don't we have some people in here who are adopted? You may not know this. I didn't know this either till a couple weeks ago when I started studying. But in the Roman world of the first century, when somebody was adopted, that meant Man, when you know your history and you really know what the Bible's saying, it will rock you to the core. In Roman culture it meant that a father, a man had chosen you out to be his son. And by so doing, any debt, any baggage that you brought to the table, he took care of all of that and you denied every right you had wherever family you came from and you regained every single right of that father in Roman culture. The adopted son would lose all his rights in the old family and gain all his rights in the new family. And not only that, but the father would look for the son or daughter for a couple reasons. One, so that father could have somebody to carry on his name. And two, so he could have somebody to pass on his estate and inheritance to. 
Church, I want to tell you this morning, God Almighty has chosen you and I to be his children because he wants for you and I to go out into the world and carry his name. And along with that, we get to inherit everything that our King Jesus says belongs to him. That's good news. That's good news. Praise the Lord. So how do you know you're adopted? Because the Spirit himself bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Today, if you're here this morning and you're not sure that, man, I want to encourage you. Grab me after we pray, or my friend Heath, or your neighbor, or your, my friend Stephen. And as believers, let's live according to the Spirit. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. It's powerful. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword pierces to the heart. It's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that no matter how we came in here today, whether we were dry and empty, because of the power of your Holy Spirit, we can now be filled up and be reminded that we are your child and you love us. Thank you for that freedom because the word tells us where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So don't allow us to leave here today in bondage, but allow us to leave here with the freedom of your spirit and to live according to the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you, church. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're so glad that you joined us for the message today. If Pastor Jack or any of our team can serve you, please reach out to us. You can send us an email at jack at hope at crossroads.org or by visiting our website. We would be most grateful to know where you are listening because we have people all over the world listening to our podcast. You can send us a message through our website. We would appreciate your prayers for us as we are in the midst of a building campaign to reach more children and families in our local community in Greenville County, South Carolina. If you would like to help, you can always make your gift online at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads.